Encontrar tu media naranja. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Spanish for to find your half orange. Oh. Yeah, or is to it... find the perfect partner. Hey, I wonder if that's some sort of idiotic idiot, idiot expression. It is, Danny. <laughs> welcome it... to the show. Uh, that's in honor of my two perfect partners on this podcast, uh, who may have to shoulder some of the burden today because I'm in the throes of vaccine number two. You have two uh, perfect partners pumping through your veins. What? Caffeine and it's all the cocaine Astro, Astro and Zeneca. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm good. I'm, I'm real good. I'm looking at these uh, Turbo Attacks trading card F1 games. Uh, here that I bought. Did you say TurboTax? It's turbo what I heard. Yeah. Tur- oh. Tur- oh, does turbo it, it does sound, it does sound it like TurboTax. like TurboTax right. is branching out, which given yeah. their business model, like they could. Sure. I don't, I don't want my, don't give me my refund in money. Give it to me in weird cards with Charles Leclerc on, on his face on them. But we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not too bad. Just uh, enjoying a cozy rainy morning here. Ooh, very nice. Uh, if you are new to this very cozy podcast, a warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, uh, we've got an episode just for you. Our preseason primer assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to uh, get up to speed on this very speedy sport, you can go back and listen to episode 137. Uh, also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons, uh, covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So, if you would like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1, or click the link in the show notes. Uh, what do we have going on this month, Danny? Uh, we got a bunch. We're going to have Drive to Survive Part 3. It'll be the finale of our review of Netflix's docu-series on F1. Uh, that'll be going up on the latter half of this month because we got a quite a busy early month. Um, we also have uh, the track walks I've been doing for the Media Pass people. Uh, last night I was on my uh, race seat in my uh, in my streaming room, all set up, playing Project Cars 2 and F1 and everything. Um, it was it was a really good time, so I'm going to record some of those. And also, yes, I did acquire some of these Topps Turbo Turbo Attacks trading cards, uh, which are uh, the official trading cards of weirdly enough last year's season. But I think these only came out, so you know, sure, there was a lot of licensing issues to get a uh, Max Verstappen and uh, presumably Roman Grosjean's face on on all these. Um, so I will be doing a weird video where I open up trading cards for an extended period of time and check them out for uh, the media pass holders but of course i want to give a shout out to all of our incredible title sponsors william romf reagan kelly jason sorry reagan apologies jason kelly jason chadwick umberto roca bailey foot abdullah alfani sam g greg salt circuit demon who I think is very excited at the moment because i hope he doesn't mind me telling everyone i think he got some of that daniel ricardo wine Oh I think he's sort, yeah, so he's he's pretty excited at the moment in my DMs. Wow. Um, I don't know <laughs> if my the love of my life, Mariana, is is still in there or not. I I saw a name change, but I couldn't figure it out before the podcast. So I'm She's just gonna say, you, this one's from my heart. This one's just from my heart. This is this is from me, <laughs> not from the. <laughs> this is for the love of my life, Mariana. And then also, interestingly, we got two more title sponsors, and I think it might All be right. a situation where like where two people bought themselves the same present. Because the first one 
is from Oh Yes Food. P.S. Congrats on the new house and much love from BPM. And then uh-huh. the other one is from BPM, which what? I believe which I believe is a collection of iRacing fans who listen to the podcast. Uh, this oh my is gosh. like Gift of the Magi, where it like, is. oh my god, you supported Shift F1, I supported Shift F1. <laughs> so yeah, if, if any more of the BPM crew want to want to chip in, we can just say BPM all morning. Oh, BPM, BPM. Uh, that's awesome. Um, well. Our Patreon is stacked, and uh, our episode today is stacked because sure we've is. got Portugal and pre-Spain to talk about. So, what do you say we just jump right in here? Um, qualifying yeah. and uh, and really everything before the race was pretty fraught in terms of track conditions, mm. uh, very affected by wind. And uh, if you recall, Portimao, the circuit itself, was resurfaced last year right and is still pretty slippery apparently so you've got those two things combining into some um kind of like two random elements that resulted in uh not a complete scrambling of the field but some some question marks here um and especially as it came down to tires mercedes went out on their final q3 laps on medium tires because that's just <laughs> they determined that those were the fastest tires, not the softs. So kind of kind of a weird session. Um, but the top three, not so weird. Valtteri Bottas on pole, uh, just seven one thousandths of a second ahead of uh, Lewis Hamilton. Neither he nor Bottas uh, could improve their time on the second run mm. uh, due to those wins. Uh, Max Verstappen is in third. He had to rely on his second run because uh, he exceeded track limits on the first one. Uh, so perhaps if that one had not been deleted, he would have placed higher. It was a killer. It was on the penultimate corner. He saw it live. Yeah. Like, ah, dude, I don't know if that... Because I think he... Did he get a better lap? I forget. Well, he, on on the final lap, um, he did not set any personal bests in any sector. Right. Yeah. So... So it did, I guess it was yeah, a moot he, point. Yeah. But yeah, well, he was four tenths from Lewis Hamilton. Anyway, mm. uh, Sergio Perez, his teammate in fourth place, followed by Carlos Sainz, Esteban Ocon, Lando Dude, Norris. Seven thousandths of a second between the two of those. Ocon had a blistering quality, but almost pipped Sainz. Yeah, Al- Alpine. Dude, uh, is a, is is has made some some upgrades. It I, seems I cannot, for the life of me, guess any you know positions of cars this season. It's just like no. every week is just weird. <laughs> Suddenly, yeah. the Alpines are in the mix. Yep, uh, just behind Ocon in seventh is Lando Norris, then Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly, and Sebastian Vettel rounding out the top ten. The first time Vettel has gotten yeah. into Q3 in 16 races. Yeah, something so, else. And he also did do better than, than than his teammate, which I think was critical because he hasn't done in the past few races. Yeah, and that's interesting because Stroll uh, had some new upgrades oh. attached to his car, and Vettel did not. There you go. Which is... Um, puzzle on that one uh in 11th place george russell his highest start for williams nearly into q3 by about five hundredths must, must uh, have although, been very windy when he set that one yeah right um <laughs> or windy in the right way you know yeah <laughs> they they had um a a graphic that i wish they have had uh for much longer uh where they show the wind direction yeah oh yeah on of the, course. you know the head-up display uh, from the the um, the camera pod, they show like uh, a nice rotating arrow, like a video game waypoint arrow for uh, the wind direction as they're turning. So wow, that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was really really Valheim. cool. Valheim. 
Uh, <laughs> right. 11th, though, pretty advantageous because you do get to choose your tires. Mm. Uh, unlike the top 10 who has to use the tires that they uh, set their lap in Q2 on. Um, but behind Russell in 12th is Antonio Giovinazzi, Fernando Alonso, Yuki Tsunoda. Uh, good job to Yuki for handling all those weird conditions well enough yeah, to get Yeah, keeping it on the track. He was coming into this weekend saying, I'm going to be a little bit careful here because this is a tricky track <laughs> and I have spun a lot. But it still doesn't stop him from having maybe the worst potty mouth in F1. It's very strange. He just likes <laughs> cursing and shouting at people all the time. And then he's like so affable and calm in, in interviews. I love it. He lets the beast out on track. Maybe too uh, much. I, but. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another media darling, Kimi Raikkonen, in 15th place, followed Whoa. by Daniel Ricciardo, probably the big surprise of qualifying. Um, he was knocked out by Ocon right at the end of Q1. Where was Lando? He did make an... Uh, seventh? Lando's seventh. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Ricardo did make an error on his lap, but it, it really cost him. Um, probably the most bummed out I've ever seen Ricardo, honestly. Because yeah. when, you, when you get back to the media pen and you can't really hang your hat on any one thing for why you're slow that is that's just a killer for a driver um yeah and then 17th there's lance stroll um not looking too hot although perhaps he's getting used to those new upgrades who knows uh then we've got nicholas latifi mick schumacher and nikita mazepin half a second off of his yeah he was he had a really rough quality that's that's not good uh well let's take it right to the start danny kick it off yeah i mean lights out away they go as crofty says and and uh no big shifts up front except perez had a little bit of trouble getting uh those tires lit up and charles leclerc uh got past him pretty early on signs i think it was oh sorry signs i I had the same reaction because i was i'm not used to i'm not as used to signs doing stuff on the first lap <laughs> right it or, was, uh, or any ferrari being faster than leclerc yes no. it, i, I think i just assumed that. he was yeah first again um lando had a good lap he uh got i think he got pipped by the alpine of i'm assuming it was ocon um of course it was because fernando was further back um but then he ends up winning back that place in a super little overtake um uh, later on in the lap um but uh yeah as they as they came around the first it was a pretty it, it, you know there was no contact um on that first lap it was pretty clean no mazepins spun um and it was all good until weirdly enough we did have contact on lap two on the straight yeah well it was lap two for yeah. somebody it, I'm, I'm not sure it was <laughs> yeah. even lap two for for uh kimmy it was one of those things where in the background you could see, like, I wasn't even sure there was contact because sometimes you just see, like, the attach points on a wing just break off or something from, like, going over something hard. Um, and I was and they like, I couldn't even see with the drain contact. covers as yeah. well. So who knows? But, but it turned out uh, that Kimmy, and he said this after the race, as he was coming around that, that last corner, um, he had a wheel setting he wanted to fix because um, it was it was set in the wrong position. And so he looked down to make an adjustment on his wheel and just got completely caught out by the toe, I guess. He was getting along behind Giovinazzi and just ran the front wing right up under him. Giovinazzi, very lucky to not get a cut tire because like it was pretty mm-hmm. much a textbook. This is how you slash somebody's rears. But it ended Kimmy's day uh, right away. It's It's... 
like the car without that wing uh, handled so poorly. It just Kimmy just took it <laughs> yeah. all the way down that straight and into the gravel runoff and drove to the exit road. Um, not even I don't know if he couldn't because the way the uh, wing was like was it lodged? It was, I think um, it was under him. Yeah, yeah. So the car just wouldn't answer steering, I guess, and he beached it uh, by by an exit uh, by an exit access point. Um, and that brought out the safety car, a long safety car uh, for, for where that car was stranded. Yeah, we eventually restarted on lap seven with the top 10 looking like this. Botas in first, then Hamilton, Verstappen, Sainz, Perez, Norris, Ocon, Leclerc, Gasly, God. and Vettel. God, you're right. It was lap seven. It just it shows you how long it takes them to get debris off that star finish race that it took them like... You know, it's. I guess it's not a long lap here, but that's that's. Yeah, that seems like a lot for the restart. Yeah, and on. Go ahead, Rob. No, no, no. You go on. Uh, I was going to say on on the restart, Hamilton kind of has a slow getaway, and Verstappen jumps on it uh, and gets by Hamilton into turn one, which is very yeah. exciting. Well, uh, Hamilton kind of had a similar thing to to Kimi, where he was. He says um, in this quote here from Autosport, I was naturally focusing on Valtteri and literally just for a split second, I looked in my mirror just to see where Max was. And in that split, se- split <laughs> second, that's when Valtteri went. Uh, very good. Yeah, because Vatas actually went at a weird time. He didn't go at the line. He didn't go super early. He kind of d- did it in the middle, like at a mm-hmm. place that you wouldn't necessarily expect, apparently. Um, yeah, so great getaway from him. Yeah, I think this was the probably one of the nicest moves he pulled during the race, which was like timing that uh, timing that release. Um, was it Valtteri you're talking about? Yeah. Um, the issue being that he had a lot of things going in his favor for how he could have run this race, but the entire the nature of this race was what kind of pace could you find. Uh, on your stints like this was not a race where there was a lot the the track the track surface apparently having been resurfaced in the last couple of years really slippery uh the wind conditions were really hostile yeah um the track itself may not be super uh amenable to a lot of close racing so a lot of it was about managing pace on these uh tire stints and getting in position for a turn one move Valtteri, I think, really did have it all to play for here. He had the lead. He made a clean getaway on the restart. Um, And as we've seen so many times, if you're in that front position with clean air, everyone else behind you is probably going to be taking more out of their tires uh, to sort of maintain pace with you. Now, I don't know if because of the uh, slippery track, uh, they were saying from the start that the tires weren't going to abrade like they usually do. Uh, they were all on the hardest compounds available. And uh, the the strategy coming into the race was, if you get on hard, um, that thing was pretty much good to go for the race length. I think at one point, Brundle said, you could have started on the hard, and the estimate was it had 1.5x uh, race length in it. Wow. So, like, <laughs> tire wear... Not the factor we're used to seeing here. Um, so maybe that cut against Valtteri, but at the same time, like when we're talking about like criticisms of uh, Botas, I think this is kind of 
another example of like it just he can't put a race together uh against his rivals in these situations i thought for a while that he would be in a good position uh because having dumped hamilton off his back uh now he had verstappen close behind him and uh it seemed like this is a good position like their tires will probably both go off behind valtteri and he'll be able to control the race pace. And for a while, that that seemed to be working out. Um, Verstappen did end up sort of falling away from Botas like on, on lap 11, and Hamilton uh, sort of snapped him up on turn one. Verstappen sort of noting that they're just so down on power uh, that they were, they were sitting ducks uh, on the straight. But, you know, this is skipping ahead a little bit. Like... Botas just couldn't keep Hamilton behind him. Uh, Hamilton just sort of reeled him in. And at turn one, um, it showed just... Botas also doesn't have, like... Botas drives like a guy who's a little bit beaten mentally. Like, he overcommitted to a defense in turn one. Yeah. Where he just completely on bit down on the bait Hamilton was showing. Veered all the way over into the far right of the corner. It's a right-handed corner. And Hamilton just sort of juked left and went around him like he wasn't there. Um, it was a real, but, but real sad In a way, defense. I wonder if that's like the case, right? Like, I wonder if that's, you know, the, the not what's 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 you know Bottas going to do in that situation? Like, hold up his hold up his uh, teammate for you know the next. That was like that was pretty early. I was like lapped like it was mid twenties, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. to, oh early, okay. So even even more so, even before the the tire stint. Um, but yeah, like to Rob's point as well, it, it almost like it's a difficult race to do a play-by-play on because this was so much about that sort of wide strategy. There wasn't many instances. Most of the overtakes were clean. Um, and yeah, it was it was another example of, of the shortcomings of Vatas, but also just like, you know, whatever. Well, we always talk about it. Hamilton led from the front and he had it easy and had the best car and all this sort of stuff, but keep putting them in these positions, you know, where he's got 14 places to make up at 20 laps or he's stuck behind, you know, uh, uh, his teammate in a track where you can only really overtake once. It kind of felt like this year and, you know, weird conditions and he's just like miles apart. Like he's just, he's, he is, he is the, one of the greatest ever, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I did see a, an article on um, Autosport uh, today that sort of, it, well, I don't know that it necessarily absolves um, anything from from Valtteri, but it's, it just gave me a little more insight into the sorts of things that are that can be different on cars um, from weekend to weekend. Uh, apparently, Mercedes has two different kinds of rear wings that they can run, um, and you can tell them apart because one has two posts in the middle and one just has one. All right, um, and they, you know, I, I guess the drivers go out and practice, and then they decide which wing that they want for qualifying in the race. Um, and they had different ones this weekend. Uh, Hamilton opting for one that gave him more, I think it was the two post one, um, gave him more straight line speed, so less drag, but made the corners trickier. Right. Um, <laughs> and I mean, that's just down to the driver preference, right? But that's not to say that, you know, if, um, you know, Valtteri was, could, could be more comfortable with the same wing that Lewis had. Uh, then he could have fought for more. So he went. He went conservative, um, kind of strategy wise. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's just like this is one little item that um, is like a window into the sorts of decisions and and mm. and setup changes and stuff that that we don't see 
uh, that can go on behind the scenes. So, well, it's um, worth. I, I, I always find that stuff illuminating. And I'm not not sure if we're doing a play by play of the whole thing, but it is worth mentioning as well that like it's not like he just got pipped by Hamilton. He also got eventually gobbled up by Verstappen as well, who actually did overtake on a part of the track that not many people were overtaking. That I okay, but that I put on Mercedes. Like they gave him a bad pit stop. Um, mm. Like the you know it was going to be tight uh, the way the the pace had worked out. But yeah, this was uh, they were pitting late in the cycle relatively because all the people on softs came in first uh, for. I think they were going to mediums uh, to shoot for rest of race length. But yeah, Verstappen sort of stayed uh, behind uh, Botas for a good good while there. He pitted on lap 36 for his hards. And that gave, and I thought this was probably a pretty sound strategy. Botas had had a pretty gentle race on the tires, one would expect. So he stayed out and went uh, to try to, try to gap Verstappen a little bit. I think broadly he probably did, but then he had a 3.3 second stop. And that was just not a second that Mercedes could really afford to spot. And so, yeah, he comes out on the hards uh, that are like straight out of their warmers. Verstappen's been around for a full lap at race pace on his hards. And Valtteri's car slipped uh, at a key moment. And Verstappen just was able to run right past him. I feel like that was a case of, like, yeah, Botas could have run a better race to this point, but that did also feel like, yet again, kind of a shaky stop in the Mercedes pit, uh, basically served him up on a platter uh, for an overtake. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't help when the Red Bull pit crew are so fast as well. Yeah, that was, I think, a, a, all told, a difference of one second because Verstappen did a two, 2.3. Right. Um, and, and while we're on pit strategy, Red Bull opted to leave Perez out for much longer, so he t- took the lead of the race. Blue flags, um, blue flags. <laughs> yeah, and then Hamilton <laughs> caught up to him and called for blue flags, and Bono, his engineer, came back and told him, uh, nope, we are racing him. He has yet to stop. <laughs> that was funny. Um, speaking of blue flags, while Perez is trying to lap Mazepin on lap 45 oh, or so, yeah, Mazepin killer. turns in on him. Uh, and nearly hits him, which earns Mazepin a five-second time penalty, even though he's already in last by over a he, minute. He immediately went to his engineer and was like, I think I fucked Perez, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so at uh, least he, he, at least he admitted point. it immediately, which is not an easy thing to do in the middle of a race, and also did apologize, so... Yeah, you know, yeah. We don't. I don't give Mazepin many credo points, but uh, at least he was able to admit that right away. Uh, he also got a penalty point on his license, 12 of those in a year, and you uh, have to sit out a race. Um, but I did want to go back and just highlight a couple of the, the, the cool moves I saw um, in the first half of this race. Um, on the restart, Norris got down the inside of Perez for fourth, which is a, a good move, uh, and Leclerc got by Ocon for seventh, although Ocon and Alpine both looked pretty good uh, in this race. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> they, they seem racy. Um Perez uh, got Norris back for fourth with, um, you know, a DRS down into turn one. And uh, then Ricardo did the same thing to get by Vettel into 10th. Ricardo trying to make the most uh, of his bad weekend, um, but uh, made up uh, a number of spots. Um, And then later in the race, we get more Alpine action. Ocon got by Sainz on lap 44 for seventh place. And then Ricardo got by Ricardo on lap 51 for ninth place both wait, of them wait wait ricardo what? got past ricardo what the fuck happened? Oh, i'm sorry Alonso got past time ricardo. Space? <laughs> <laughs> uh i i did the murray walker thing of uh schumacher 
is held up by Schumacher. Yeah, you, that's a, a, a Scanlon-ism. <laughs> yeah, this there week. you go. Just my, my vaccine-addled brain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, both of them uh, using that DRS on the front straight, a very, a very effective Didn't passing like move. Sainz just got his ass kicked in the second half of this race, though. He did, like, yeah. yeah. He was, part, he was in it to start, and I was like, all right, looking pretty racy. And then he was like a non-entity uh, for the rest of the race. And like... I don't know. Apparently, he had trouble on his uh, on his second set of tires for the race, but like maybe the car was set up poorly. But I also feel like sometimes it's about sometimes it's user input, and uh, yeah, it just I, I think it ended up being kind of a uh, from from a strong start, kind of a disappointing uh, look for for signs. Do you think this is a this race was a case of Alpine looking good? Uh, or Ferrari looking bad, or both. If, if, like my gut would say, it's it, it, Ferrari had a didn't seem well suited for this, um, and I'm I'm not sh- I'm, I just don't trust them strategy wise, especially at tracks like this where they don't have forty years of running on them. They always <laughs> seem there's always ones where you feel like they're going to be strong at, and then it's just yeah. So I don't know. To me, it was. I think it's it's hard to it's getting harder to say if teams are underperforming or drivers underperforming just because there's so little space between some of these teams. I know in instances like Alpine or Aston Martin, you can see like oh both drivers did well or both drivers did poorly, but you know eleventh and sixth is a big gulf on a track like this. Um, and you could say the same for you know ninth and fifth with the McLaren. So I don't know. I think I think Signs had a bad day um, more than anything else. I think I, I think the tricky thing, like it is hard for us as observers to judge like what's happening because we 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 see it at this remove. Um, but at the same time, like if the field is getting topsy turvy and it feels like the cars can their relative standing can change a lot week by week, you do start expecting a little bit more from the drivers. And if it's right. like if it's coming down to a few like a tenth of a second per lap, you expect some drivers to find that tenth. Um, but like to be fair, I think we we get some insight into just what a particular nightmare this course was by the fact that Russell, having sort of hung oh, Chekhov's man. gun on the wall at the start of the season by saying, "Hey, uh, <laughs> we're really aerodynamically sensitive, and boy, if if aero conditions are ever bad for our car, they'll be real bad." Um, you know, right around this time, the signs are struggling. Uh, you have Russell on the radio saying the car is basically undrivable, um, despite having had this really remarkable qualifying run just the day before on that setup. Uh, you know, on race day, he can't find pace and ends up plummeting uh, to the basement. And so, like, I think it is. This is a tricky course to evaluate because it does seem like between Saturday and Sunday. Um, conditions on race day some people just got utterly hosed yeah uh speaking of getting hosed at some point we get some botas radio saying he was losing power um yeah and uh as mercedes team principal toto wolf explained in this quote from autosport um quote that was unfortunate because he really caught up well to max and then it kind of stabilized to 5.1 uh 1.5 1.6 seconds but he had more to come at the end of the race we made a switch change in order to basically override a sensor that was saying we were running too hot on exhaust temperatures, and we couldn't override it. So the engine went into protection mode and cost him five seconds. Hmm. Um, 
Perez eventually does pit for some soft tires on lap 51 um, of like a, what a 55 lap race. Man, there was a yeah, there was a real let's rush to get that fastest lap at the end of this race. Yeah, so he he comes out back and forth and tries to set the fastest lap, but since he's so far behind the leading pack at this point, Botas then has a safe pit stop to also go for fastest lap, which opens the door for Verstappen to pit as well. So it's like a three-way fight for fastest lap. Um, and as they come to the line, it looks like Verstappen has it, but guess what? He exceeded track limits at the penultimate turn and had his lap time deleted. Even even Lewis maybe jokingly said, should we go for it? <laughs> but I think he was... I think he was coming around on his last lap, which means that, you know, unless he had the world's fastest pit stop of all time, he wasn't going to set a fastest lap. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah, will say that uh, Valtteri was was really closing in once he was on the um, on the hards. And you had Toto in there get on the radio and be like, come on, Valtteri, you're the fastest car on the track. Um, and then, yeah, he stopped reeling it in. And, and after the fact, uh, Wolf was like, yeah, as soon as I got on the radio, um, Valtteri stopped closing the gap. And maybe I should not <laughs> radio him during races uh, if it's not having a good result. And both of, it was interesting. Both of us was like, no, I love getting encouragement. It's great to hear from Toto during the race. But like. It did seem to level off. Now, it could just be that he got the best out of those tires that he could. Um, but I don't know. We, we were denied the chance to see if he could have continued that drive. Like, yes, it had sort of stalled out. But, like, that power glitch destroyed any chance he had mm-hmm. of getting Verstappen. Like, just losing five seconds out of the blue for a technical fault. Um, again, just, like, to a degree, like, Botas can be frustrating. If you're Botas, you also get real frustrated at the things that happen to you with your car and uh, the Mercedes stops that don't seem to happen to Hamilton. Well, uh, the the podium ends like this. Lewis Hamilton on top, Max Verstappen in second, and Valtteri Botas in third. Uh, According to, I believe this is from motorsport.com, this is now the most common podium (laughs) in F1 history. Uh, with 15 occurrences of Valtteri Bottas, Lewis Hamilton, and Max Verstappen in some order. Get used uh, to it. I have, I have the uh, the other top five here that I'll read. Um, just one behind, at 14 occurrences, Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg, and Sebastian Vettel. Uh, 13 occurrences, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, Mark Webber. <laughs> uh, and then tied for 12, we have... Um, Valtteri Bottas, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, and then, uh, David Coulthard, Mika Hakkinen, and Michael Schumacher. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting, you can kind which, of, you kind of see the eras here. Yeah, which in fairness, they had fewer races. So that also goes to show how often that felt like it was happening back then. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is true. Um, yeah. Dave, just some notes though about some mid and back of the pack racing that was fun to see. First of all, Danny Rick had a good recovery drive. He did, yeah. Um, he did. Mm-hmm. He needed but, it, but he did. But he still got uh, beat out by Alonzo in the late stages of the race. Alonzo uh, sort of set him up nicely in turn one and uh, sort of pulled that pulled that move uh, going around to the left again to, to pip him for eighth place. Uh, Latifi um, had a nice little, nice little duel with uh, Mick. And and Mick ended up sort of outracing him, which mm. is cool. Probably not a great sign for Latifi. Uh, by all accounts, that <laughs> Williams is supposed to be definitively better uh, than that Haas. 
but nevertheless, like it was, it was cool to see them scrapping a little bit and some some decent racecraft from Mick. Yeah, so um, just finish off the timesheets here. Sergio Perez came home in fourth, then Lando Norris uh, leading the rest of the field. Way to go, Lando! Yeah. Um, sixth place, Charles Leclerc. Seventh, Esteban Ocon. Eighth, Fernando Alonso. Ninth, Daniel Ricciardo. Great drive to get him into the points from sixteenth place at the start, uh, and then rounding out the top ten, Pierre Gasly. Um, Alphatori, I was expecting a little more from Alphatori this weekend. I feel like we didn't really see them much at all. Um, Carlos Sainz is in 11th, followed by Antonio Giovinazzi, Sebastian Vettel, Lance Stroll, uh, Yuki Tsunoda, George Russell, Mick Schumacher, Nicholas Latifi, Nikita Mazepin, and then not classified, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, who went out. And there you have it. That's it. What's um, the, what's the, do we, do we do driver's standings later, right? Cause I can't wait to see what that looks like. Uh, yes. Um, I, I, while we're talking about this race though, I did want to, and like Ricardo and all that stuff, I did want to, um, provide some more insight here from some quotes that Daniel gave over the weekend about what it's like coming to a new car. Um, we, uh, that happened a lot this year. There's a lot of drivers new to teams. Um, and so, uh, I feel like it, it bears mentioning he was speaking to Sky Sports after free practice two, um, saying that basically he's been using the simulator to try to change his driving style a little bit to, to suit the car. He says the car has a tendency to reward a bit of a different technique, uh, a bit of a different style. That's from turning in. So the way you use the brake and get back on the throttle, it's a little unique. So I've been working on that in the simulator, trying to put that onto display here. Uh, I think that the general characteristics of the car, what they are at the moment in some corners, I can't, let's say, use my style. Uh, it seems like the majority of corners, the best way to drive it is with this different style. Um, I'm trying to let the guys know where the weaknesses are and how I'd like to drive the car. And so we're trying to bring some upgrades to address that. But until then, I'll just learn how to drive it as it is. Uh, it's hard to take because I'm a veteran now of the sport and it's like, why should I need time? I'm obviously experienced coming into this team and everyone's kind of treating me like a rookie. Uh, but in a way, it's true because I am a rookie with this car and this environment. Um, I'm certainly not a rookie, but obviously after Imola, I was upset that I didn't uh, do better or couldn't get more. Um, but Andreas uh, and Zach, meaning um, Mercedes team principal and CEO, uh, Andreas Seidel and Zach Brown. They're just like, chill, dude. It's just going to come. So, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously trying not to chill too much, but I'm aware that it will come eventually. It's uh, that didn't really, it's, Yeah, that didn't really turn out in qualifying, though. Um, he said after that, uh, already into turn one, I didn't feel like I was helped with some traffic. And then the end of the lap, I was just trying to hang on to the rear of the car. It just didn't really get going from the first start of the lap. Um, then I was trying to play catch up at the end, which just meant a lot of mistakes. Yeah, not a good one. Uh, but why we struggled or why it was difficult to put a lap together, it's not so clear at the moment. I think there's a few things for sure, uh, and there's some tents left on the table. Uh, Seidel kind of came to his defense, saying, in the end, I think it's minor things that probably get exaggerated in low grip conditions. Like we have them here, uh, and we like uh, also had an Imola with a drying track. Uh, we've seen the Friday practice session that the Q1X is definitely not the gap he's having to Lando at the moment. He was just trying to put the lap together, and it's not easy to get the laps in here with the traffic, with the wind and everything, and the low-grip conditions. We simply need to stay calm, analyze, work through it, and I'm sure it will come. 
Ricardo then followed were um, still trying to exploit the strengths of the car, but also driving around the weaknesses. It's kind of fine-tuning everything, like the way you turn in, the way you brake, and all of that. But at the end of the day, every F1 car is going to be different. It's up to me to adapt. Um, I was listening to some of the commentary on Free Practice 2, and they had Paul DeResta on. Yeah. Um, and Crofty asked him um, something that I've always wanted to know. I kind of thought that when you get a driver into a new car that has a different engine, that that is a big adjustment for them to make. Like the, you know, the, the torque is different in the, the, the way that the, um, the throttle is applied and, you know, different performance curves and things like that. And Paul DeResta, who's a, a former uh, Force India and maybe Williams driver, I think he's done 59 Grand Prix, um, was like, nah, doesn't matter at all. But these guys, it, it doesn't make a difference whatsoever. So I guess we can't really chuck you know vettel's performance up to that well Um, it's interesting because like what ricardo was saying is almost word for word what perez has been saying this entire time too which is that it was going to take him five or six races that he had to adapt to this car he is even more of an elder statesman than dana ricardo is he's also driven more teams i i think at this stage he's also you know performed really well with you know cars that probably weren't as maybe as fast as that with other drivers so it is interesting like it, it to me it sounds a lot like you know uh you know rubbing your rubbing your belly and tapping your head and then suddenly having to rub your head and tap your belly it's kind of just like it, it, the skills are there but it you just have to rewire your brain a little bit to to do it and some people are more adaptable than others but it it, it sets up a really fun season for us because lando's having a belter like lando's outperforming Daniel, he's out reporting Carlos Sainz and Ferrari. He's like, you know, we look at him as sort of the, I think he's conscious of the fact that he is like the young guy. He's a meme lord. He's fun. This year, he's taking it way more seriously on front of camera, or he's like, he's presenting as a more serious person, but also on track, he's doing really well. So I think it sets up a really interesting year for the two of them at McLaren, where we're going to see Ricardo probably close that gap. Um, and it could be a fun end of the season if, if both of them are, are up there fighting together then you get that beautiful team strategy you know where suddenly you can help each other out as much as you can get in each other's way yeah um i I know this is getting kind of long um but i did want to contrast that with signs who's probably doing the best of the drivers in new cars this year um in this quote from autosport uh he says uh it's just down to how can you consistently put the weekends together like i was doing my second year in mclaren that's the big difference In race three or four with McLaren, I kind of felt there or thereabouts. But then going into 2020, my second year, I realized that I could do it a lot more consistently and a lot better just because of muscle memory, knowing exactly what the car is going to do in every single weekend, repeating the tracks with the same car. It's just easier. Uh, It doesn't mean that I can get there early enough and I'm pushing myself every session to try new things, to change my driving style and to adapt myself. Uh, This challenge is actually quite tough mentally, and as a driver, it's difficult, but it's also good fun because you're always discovering new stuff. Uh, He says, after qualifying, though, uh, today was very, very tough in the last sector. You guys cannot imagine how unpredictable the cars are and how tricky they are to drive. And the fact that I did a couple of good laps in Q3 gives me a very good feeling. Uh, We've made some good progress with my driving style. I've tried to drive a bit differently this weekend. I've also tried different things on the setup that I've come back and forth. Uh, and it's given me a better feeling and I feel like I'm making progress, but there's still things to discover for sure. Uh, Ferrari sporting director, Laurent Miques 
says uh, it's hard work after hard work after hard work and hundreds of seconds of lap time that comes one after the other as you build up the relationship. Uh, and that's what it is. So it has nothing to do with magic bullets. It's only the hard work he has done now. Hmm. Sample size so, of three. Yeah. Let's give it give it a couple more. We'll check in on our on our <laughs> our rookies. Yes. Um, but yeah, let's run down the standings here. Drivers, Lewis Hamilton on top of the championship with 69 points. Nice. Max Verstappen has 61. Lando Norris in third with 37, followed by Valtteri Bottas with 32. Man. That's interesting. That's awesome. Uh, Leclerc is in fifth with 28. Perez is in sixth with 22. Ricardo has 16 in seventh place, followed mm-hmm. by Sainz with 14. Ocon with eight. Gasly in 10th with seven. And we've got a tie for 11th with Stroll and Alonso with five points. And then Yuki Tsunoda in 13th, the last one with points with two. And we've got Raikkonen, Giovinazzi, Vettel, Russell, Schumacher, Mazepin, and Latifi with zero. In teams, Mercedes is on top of the 101. Red Bull has 83. McLaren has 53. Ferrari in fourth with 42. Alpine has 13. Alpha Tauri with five. And Aston Martin in seventh place uh, I'm sorry, Alvatore's got nine, and Aston Martin's got five. Uh, and then behind them, Alfa Romeo, Williams, and Haas all have zero. Interesting, because Alpine's, like, the majority of their points came this weekend, then. Yeah. So. Yeah, with bo- both men in the points, I think. Yeah, I, that's good, because the race for fourth looks like it's getting away from the rest of that, that pack, and that's very much a race for fifth. So, you know, again, a couple more normal tracks. We'll see where we end up. Speaking of tracks, Danny... What's this yeah. in the news? Yeah, speaking of normal tracks, we're, 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 I guess, depending on what your version of normal is, we are, uh, we're getting a different one this year, um, or we're getting a return of one last year. And once again, we will not be going to Circuit Gilles Villeneuve in Canada. What a, what a shame. Uh, due to the ongoing um, coronavirus pandemic, the race in Canada has been cancelled. So uh, pitch hitting for Canada is our good friends in Turkey, which did provide a a cool race last year. Although you did mention, Drew, as we were chatting, I think, in our meeting yesterday, that that was perhaps in part, once again, because our good friend Precipitation. Um, but <laughs> we're all friends of uh, Turkey. I think that is a fun track. People were, you know, Turkey and Sepang are the two tracks people all often say it would be cool if we got those back. Um and I think it was a it was a good replacement. So shame once again we will not be revisiting the Wall of Champions because boy howdy do we have a lot of them this year. Uh but um it would be, you know, we'll look forward to it. Nicholas Latifi will eventually get to go home, but for now he'll be spending the uh what is it? The I had it here. The second week on June, the eleventh to thirteenth. This is the E three race for those of you who like video games. <laughs> That's right. Um, we will be back to Istanbul Park. All right. Um, Vettel's got some stuff to look forward to, Rob. Yeah, uh, he is getting some upgrades uh, that have already sort of hit Stroll's car as well. Um, Aston is revamping uh, their floor. A little bit to improve airflow. Apparently, they also had to do something really wild uh, for this race. They were having some odd issues with airflow, and apparently, they ran an asymmetric uh, like aero setup on their car, where the uh, hmm. left and right side of the cars were having slightly different airflow uh, to tackle some issues they were seeing during the race. Uh, 
however, the, the, the funny thing, of course, is that Stroll got these upgrades first and had a really poor race um mm, this yeah. this time around so i mean that might make sense like the the nature of an aero upgrade is that it's probably also a little more sensitive to airflow to an extent so it could just be that in the like kind of garbage uh wind conditions at this race uh that it, that it all worked out well for for Seb, but uh, yeah, so he has he has new parts uh, coming along as they sort of uh, continue a pretty pretty significant rework of the entire Aston Martin uh, concept, uh, where they are continuing <laughs> to try to uh, change up the airflow around the car and deal with the issues imposed on them by what Otmar Safnauer is still out there saying was an unfair uh, regulatory change that punished the uh, low rake design. Uh, well, speaking of punishing regulations, we talked last week about the upcoming sprint qualifying. Oh, yeah. That will happen three times uh, this year. Sort of a test run to see if we uh, need to change up how the race weekends work. Um, a big sticking point for teams was, well, we're, front wings are going to get clipped off. We're going to incur some race damage here, and you've already instituted a cost cap for us, so... What does that mean? You can't force us to race more, but not give us more money. Doing go karts. So they've given them more money. Doing go karts instead. That'd be funny. <laughs> Just do it. Do esports. Can you imagine a long um, lap of, uh, of circuits oh of Barcelona? Catalonia would be in a fucking go kart. <laughs> I feel like you could figure that out in Project Cars or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so to, to fix that, uh, just some bullet points here from an article in Autosport. The cost cap will grow, if I'm reading this right, um, by $150,000 for each um, sprint race that you take part in as mm. a team. Uh, it grows an additional $100,000 for car damage, but only if that damage requires the car to pit or retire. Uh, if the car retires and the damage is assessed at more than $100,000, they can take more on top of that initial $100K. Um, and then teams also get a $100,000 bonus cash for just taking part in each sprint race. Right. So, which makes sense because there'll be a lot more punters watching. Probably, it's the whole point. More eyeballs yes, watching the sport. More eyeballs, maybe, maybe more eyeballs in seats. Yes. Uh, speaking of seats, <laughs> sure. Sorry. Everything works. Though. Hey, man, look yep. that that second <laughs> vaccine's kicking in probably right about now. Oh yeah. Uh, we were take halfway us to through Spain, the podcast Danny. when the drugs kicked in. <laughs> 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 um yes we are going back to our good friend i don't think anyone doesn't like this track circuit de barcelona catalonia the spanish grand prix the only grand prix we've had in spain for quite a while since we abandoned our friend the valencia street circuit um although you can argue this isn't in spain at all but let's not get into the politics of of, uh, of spain um this is the, uh, I guess it's been around for most of the modern era. Uh, they started uh, racing here in 1991. Um, interestingly enough, it went through a bit of a change after 91 to that circuit area, the like sector three, which would you believe it is being reversed back at least at turn 10. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Hmm. Um, drivers are really familiar with Barcelona. It, it tends to be raced in a lot of, um, 
you know, underclasses. It tends, it's obviously where winter testing happens. So, you know, it's the first place a lot of these drivers experience the, the new car each year. Um, it's tough on the neck. It's got lots of high speed and low speed corners. Um, it's got a lot of very interesting corners, lots of like uphill long turns and, and downhill corkscrew sharp ones. It's it's a super interesting lap in a car. Um, it also has two DRS zones, which are both um, genuine uh, overtaking spots. And this change that I've talked about happens at the end of the second, sorry, the first one, technically. That's how it works, right? The second one's the start-finish straight because you start the DRS zone before you hit the start-finish line. So the first one is in this area in Sector 2, which a lot of people will know. Turn 9 is a... Um, it used to, it was an almost flat out turn, and now apparently it is a flat out turn um, into this straight. So they're already carrying more speed into this little mini straight. Um, and then they have a DRS zone. And then at the end of that, if you can imagine, if you can imagine in your mind's eye, we had this very um, extreme left hander, which required the cars to brake uh, fairly hard to get down into sort of um, third gear or so because it was also uphill as well, so the grip maybe was was a little bit helpful in that respect, but um, the cars really slowed down into that, and it sort of, once if, if you got up the inside there, that was fine, but there was never any attacking in the turn itself. It was always into the apex. If you maybe stuck your nose in, you could get around. And then that arena section is very, very technical for those drivers. Um, it's the toughest part of the circuit, they all say, because the grip is so low because they're swimming through you know i think they take turns 14 and 15 in second gear so it's you know you're talking a lot of you know torque and not much grip in the, the rear tires throughout that section um but what's interesting now is because turn 10 has been it's basically been widened there was a huge amount of runoff area in front of that uh sharp left-hander and um they've just eaten into a bunch of it so we may actually see and I looked at the onboard from 1991. There's an onboard on F1's website of um, of Schumacher taking it. Um, we may see drivers fighting for position into turn 10 through turn 11 and maybe around turn 12. Because turn 12 is a very interesting... It's wide enough. It's uphill. They take it like third gear, but you can kind of get around there. So I don't know how it's going to play out. Maybe there'll be so much more advantages to trying to do the overtake in different parts of the circuit that it's not worth it. Maybe it's not worth fighting there when there's a DRS straight still coming up at, you know, not very far from there, four or five turns out of that arena section. But it does perhaps provide a place, especially in the mid-pack, for drivers to get a little bit racy in a track that they're fairly comfortable with, even though it's like technically demanding on them. Um so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I think it's a cool addition. Um, it opens up that track to possibilities that were not there before. Well, one big possibility this weekend, everyone, you'll be pleased to know, <gasps> is our good friend, Precipitation. It's rain and rain. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, qualifying day looks to be... Just balmy, 73 degrees Fahrenheit or 23 Celsius. Beautiful. Uh, with a 2% chance of precipitation. Uh, potentially high winds, though, with that greater temperature, 16 kilometers an hour out of the south or 10 miles an hour. But Thank Sunday, you. lighter winds out of the east. Um, 
just slightly. Cooler temps, we're looking at 70 degrees Fahrenheit and uh, 21 Celsius, but precipitation at race time of 3 p.m. local looks to be 47%. Oh, baby, I like those odds. That's good. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, it's always tricky because we're we're doing this like one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six days in advance. So, right. um, but yeah, good to know. Uh, That's cool. It'll, it, it, even that. either way, this is always a fun track. But yeah, rain here would be super spicy. Um, I mean, just yeah, the rookies might have trouble here. This is one of those tracks that a lot. Some drivers just always struggled here. Grosjean always struggled here. Always, they had to make an escape road for him at the end of turn one because <laughs> he kept going out wide. And then he had that horrible crash. You remember that crash he had where he just like lit up the rear tires and did a pirouette yes, in front of everyone? Three. Oh. That one's tricky for me in Sims. That one's hard. That that turn is a nightmare. Yeah, if you don't have racing line on, it's very difficult. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, and I mean I don't know okay, he's playing the games to to real life, but there is a lot of um, turns on this track which are not simple. Like turn and hit the apex and go first. There's a lot of like feathering that happens here. Um, which is cool. I think it catches people out, um, trying to trying to find that grip and find that pace without without overshooting some of these turns. Because also, there's a lot of gravel. That 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 arena section is kind of the um, exception to the rule here. There's a there's a it's usual gravel if you're going into if you go wide here. Yeah. Uh, fantasy standings. If you'd like to join our fantasy league, you can do so in the with the link in the show notes. Um, from Portugal, our top three in the number three spot is from america fettle please be fetter nice just just rough who is portugal uh, it's not america did you just see the portuguese flag oh no from portugal we were in racing yeah, portugal, portugal race, i apologize yeah. sorry uh number two on the podium uh it's m- from the u.s it's my formula 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 oh, is that what it means i never knew that huh yeah formula the, mo- huh. for money get okay. money formula the sport is um, Someone should tell Gene Haas that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> Not lose money. Um, and a number one slot from Germany, Gurkentruppe. Ooh, I like that. Which I think means pickle troop, pickle crew. <laughs> sure. Pickle team. Big Rick and Morty fan. Uh, overall standings, however, in third place. From America, funny F1 pun. Yep, love to see it. You love to see it. In number two slot from Sweden, Scuderia Speedy People. <laughs> is that one word? Is it spelled differently or is it just Speedy uh, People? There are spaces. Okay. Speedy People. Uh, and then uh, number one overall leading the group from America, Ferrari Team Group Hug. Ah, oh, that's lovely. The rarest yeah. sight of all. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Uh, should we take you to some emails, Danny? Yeah, shift F1 podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. Um, I'll take the first one. Um, a little bit of a technical question based on all the new sprint quality stuff. This comes from Mark. Love the show, been a long-time listener. Last show, you were discussing the sprint race format that will be debuting soon. As I understand, they will have FP1 and then quality for the sprint race, followed by FP2. Uh, then this, oh, sorry, followed by FP2, then the sprint race. How will Park Ferme work in this? Will they have to do a practice session in Park Ferme before the sprint race? And if so, what will be the real benefit of another practice session if you cannot change setups to collect more data? That's from Mark. So I guess a brief um, 
sort of recap on what Parc Ferme is, especially for those of you who are new to the sport. So Parc Ferme, essentially, it's French for, I believe, closed park. It is essentially, if you if you imagine it this way, it is an area of the track, of the of the off the track, I should say, um, where they lock the cars up between qualifying and F1. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, metaphorically and also um, in some respects, <laughs> really, <laughs> before races. But it is essentially in, and it's not just in F1, it's also in like triathlons and stuff. It is a place where they lock um the equipment so it cannot be tinkered with before the race and the reason park Ferme mostly exists in f1 currently is so that cars do not have separate setups for qualifying and for the race they don't set their car up to get a good first lap and then change the whole thing so it runs better in the race they're allowed to tinker some things of course they're allowed to modify elements of it and raise and lower yeah, like wings wing set up yeah. yeah, change the tires, of course, which I guess is, is is obvious enough. But you're not allowed to make fundamental changes to the cars when it's in Park Fermi. And the way Park Fermi works, it's actually changed this year already. It used to be that Park Fermi closed, um, was it before Quali? But I now it was like they the have minute a- you rolled off for your first qualifying run, like your car right. was now in Park Fermi, basically. So, and I think what they, oh God, what did they, they changed something this year because of the testing, didn't they? Because they, because they had shorter testing at the start of the year. So I think now Park Fermi closes after free practice two. And you're, sorry, I should have, I should have recollected myself on that, but they did change Park Fermi slightly this year. But when it comes to the sprint races, this obviously is a big niggle because then if you're going to lock the car before the race, the sprint race, then how will they be able to do anything on the car? So um, I've uh, there's a Planet F1 have an article on it, and we'll we'll link it in the show notes. Um, but just to read this out, with the adjustments of the schedule, Park Fermi conditions will be changed accordingly. For the revised qualifying session on a Friday, only soft tires will be available to the teams, meaning that only the top 10 runners will no longer have to start the race on a set of tires, which they made it through Q2. Park Fermi conditions are currently such that major component changes uh, changed on the car to avoid the running of specialized qualifying cars before the race takes place. This will continue to apply in the standard qualifying session before sprint qualifying. Cars will go into Park Fermi conditions after FP1, so after the first practice session, but car configuration will be allowed to take place before FP2 on Saturday um, to allow the teams to set up their car for the rest of the week race weekend. So what that means is there will basically be almost two Park Fermis. Once they do FP1, then the cars will be locked down. Uh, for qualifying. For qualifying. They will run qualifying. After qualifying... There will be an FP2 before the sprint race, and the park firm will be open again for that. And then, and then they lock it ahead the, of the sprint race. The sprint race and into the race. Right. So it, it's kind of the most sensible way, I guess, to do it because otherwise, yeah, it's a bit of a, a weird one if you can't, if because essentially then they have sixty minutes to plan the entire race weekend, which would have been a little bit too much. Um, yeah. So that's the. Uh, that's the um, the changes. I wanted to check changes to Park Ferme twenty twenty because they did change something. I want to. I don't want to leave that one hanging out there. If I can, if I can uh, catch up on it. Um, I will say, uh, Chain Bear also has a really great uh, video about um, how the sprint race weekend will work, and so I will also link that in the show notes. If you if you need like visuals, which I do for stuff like this, um, yeah, that uh, that channel is great for for stuff like this. 
Um, I will come back next week on the change. It, I guess it doesn't so much matter, but they changed it so that there was a little bit more wiggle room with Park Fermi stuff this year. I think it's it's it, there's more time okay. to be allowed. Um, but you know, doesn't affect us mostly. Uh, Rob, you want to take this next one? Yeah, uh, this one comes from Adrienne in California. I was a bit shocked today during the race in Portugal when Hamilton just expected Perez to yield, not knowing he was the race leader at that time. To your knowledge, has anyone accidentally been shown or misinterpreted a blue flag and yielded to someone they were truly supposed to be racing? And if so, what was the outcome? Thanks for all you do. Cheers. Uh, boy, um, I feel like this happens semi-routinely, but I can't find like ready examples at hand of when this has happened. But like pretty routinely... Um, like not every race, but I feel like once or twice a season, there's a moment where somebody is uncertain of what the lapped status is of a car. Uh, I feel like this was also becoming an, ins- an issue maybe a few years back when the front of the field pace was so much better than everyone else's yeah. that you had people down in like P6 being lapped who did not expect to be lapped. So, like, the blue flag is always kind of a fraught thing. Uh, I mean, they, they've changed that procedure trying to uh, clarify when people... Like, 2017, they rolled out new methods for alerting drivers to when they're being shown a blue flag um, because there were issues where people were not responding to them, partly because, I suspect, they didn't really believe that they were the ones about to be lapped um, do, do you think do you think that's why uh, hamilton was able to close the gap in um <laughs> emilia romagna so fast because everyone just assumed he was he was uh he was in first and they're like oh shit they must be forgetting to wave the blue flags go ahead lewis sorry <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me i might actually also like sort of explain our next question a little bit as well because i think it's easy to imagine that everyone is getting constant um like race position updates but i'm not actually sure that's true um i'm not sure how heavy the radio traffic is for race status updates and position status updates to the uh display on the wheel or to a driver's radio yeah you want to yeah, take this um, yeah, uh, uh, one thing about the blue flags, I, the only incident that I can really recall is um, kind of a famous one in mm, early 2000s where it was a wet race and David Coulthard was being lapped by Michael Schumacher. Oh, yeah. And, it, uh, you know, a lot of spray, so you couldn't really see the car in front. My, Schumacher couldn't. But Coulthard knew he was going to be lapped, so he moved to the right. But... Schumacher didn't think Coltard knew he was there, so he tried to pass on the right and collided into the back of him in spectacular fashion uh, and was very angry afterward. Yeah, he he finished that lap with three wheels. So, you know, Schumi's a good driver, even, even when his car is stricken like that. Yes. Uh, but yeah, this uh, question from Rurik reads, I've been watching... For a couple years and i still don't think i know what the pit boards are for what info is on them and why are they out every lap when the team has radios and the car uh has info displays um so pit boards are you know, on the start finish straight you will sometimes see there's that chain link fence and there are gaps in it where teams can put their arms out with uh these big old like poster board looking things that'll say you know driver name p6 
you know, and then like a number, the gap to the car behind or something. Um, yeah, they do, you know, have radio contact, of course. Um, I don't know if the car displays show things like position. Um, they may, uh, but I think really the pit board is, um, twofold it's it's as a backup of course you know we you lose telemetry sometimes with electrical problems so it's nice to have um a backup there because the team may not know um or the driver may not know if that link has been severed um so they just do it as a backup i think and then uh you also don't want to overwhelm your driver with a lot of radio messages so you know you hear kimmy and um lewis and guys say all the time like stop giving me updates i need to focus uh, so the pet, the pit board there is just uh, more of a passive uh, way for them to get information. Yeah, um, was, it, was that Ricardo had trouble? Well, no, Signs had trouble reading the pit board uh, during qualifying. There was a team radio on that. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. Yeah, it's it's right there. <laughs> Maybe he just is forgetting to look. I don't know. So it must be hard to read when you're passing by at like, you know, a couple hundred miles that's an hour. That's always been the part that's kind of <laughs> astonished me the most is that the dudes find it readable. Uh, because yeah. I know like I know that in general, the visual acuity of uh, drivers, they, they're like fighter pilots. Uh, like one of the first things these guys all have is, is really good vision. But still, I cannot imagine uh, picking out the the finer details of gaps yeah. and times uh, on that pit board as you whip past um not at your top speed because it's early on the straight, but still, you're going fast. And you're not, and it's like the driving line is usually f- the furthest from the wall. So it must be hard. I wonder if it's harder in like, you know, because China has a really wide star finish. Rate. I wonder if like China's harder to read than like Monza or something, you know? Yeah, because you don't see <laughs> dudes pulling off the line to like get a little bit closer to, to sort of peer at it. No. Like yeah. they stay outside <laughs> and they whip past. So I don't know. Yeah. We, uh, we also had a question on Twitter from one Danielle Riendo, uh, oh, awesome. wondering about um, mouth guards in Formula One. Max Verstappen was saying that he was experiencing a lot of vibration in, I think, one of the practice sessions. And uh, he was like, it's fine. I'll just visit the dentist afterwards, <laughs> uh, which prompted this. And I don't I don't can't remember if I've ever seen a driver with a mouth guard, which is odd. I guess, yeah, I can, because I, I know Danielle obviously does um, mixed martial arts, and when you're doing any combat sport, or, you know, I remember even being told to work, you know, when I would do rugby or something like that. I'm sure in American football, do you guys wear, or I guess you got helmets on. Do you wear oh, mouth guards? Yeah, oh, yeah. No. dude, they've got mouth, cause Absolutely. mouth guards are crucial for, um, like, concussion uh, resilience, oh, too. Oh, like, like, it's like a dampener, kind of. Yeah, is it? Like, so, no, like, you get really custom fitted uh mouth guards to try oh and yeah i see them pull them out yeah yeah now i remember they're like attached to the helmet kind of thing. yeah um yeah i in my, my what i immediately think of from time wearing mouth guards is it's already tough that like it's already physically exerting for them and they're sitting at a weird angle to be wearing a mouth guard like mouth guard does restrict breathing a little bit right or restricts you and they are doing a physical act in the race, but I'd hate to be sitting that way with a mouth guard. I don't know why. It just seems like it's there's like too much going on in my mouth that that doesn't feel and like the windpipe is open. The helmet a little bit and yeah. the helmet as well. Yeah, I wonder if it's just like they do need to talk, and they need to talk, which is trickier. And they need course. to drink. Well, Lando doesn't. Apparently, he never drinks. Really? Yeah. Though I was watching some interviews over the weekend, and yeah, he for whatever reason. 
he has never used his drink in lower classes or F1. Wow. Kimmy, you will not have the drink. <laughs> uh, Dude, yeah, if anyone knows for for real, uh, hit us up. Did you? Did we at, ever talk about that weird Kimmy team radio that happened at Imola? Where they were like, can you hear me? No, we can't hear you. Can we hear? Do you remember that? Like Kimmy and his, we did. Kimmy and his race know. engineer. Like at some stages, it feels like they're just making up memes so we can enjoy them like just weird communications but that was really strange he was like but but how are you responding Kimmy was like if you right, can't hear right. me but you but you just responded like it was just right. very very strange uh but yes you can contact us uh at shift f1 podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails or on twitter at shift f1 podcast um i'm at uh, at mm, i'm mm. not at danny o'dwyer that's danny o'dwyer Hi. i'm at drew scallon and that is at rob zachney uh that's us around the internet should we take it around the world Danny? let's race around the world. well kicking off on friday we have yeah. <laughs> were you still going oh yeah i never stopped wow i just, uh i think uh, doing discord... donuts on race around the world <laughs> discord thought that was background noise and just cut your mic oh that's beautiful that's uh, yeah we Story have on life. friday at Darlington Camping World Trucks kicking off the weekend. So happy. And we've fun. got uh, Formula 3, I think, kicking off their se- um, season in Barcelona. Awesome. Uh, All those young Formula prospects. That's right. They're Formula all, E is in all seven Monaco. Years old. <laughs> <laughs> those guys getting so young, young. The Formula 3 guys are just like babies <laughs> placed yes. in a car. Uh, World Superbike Championship is in Estoril, Portugal. Mm. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is in um, Darlington as well for the Steakhouse Elite 200. Beautiful. Yes. Oh, I forgot to mention the Camping World Truck sponsor. It's the um, Lift Kits for Less.com 200. I thought it was going to be Lift Kits for Kids. <laughs> Which Although, is really just a just great... Just put those uh, little tractors up on their own little stands, their little air jacks. <laughs> what was the other one? The Elite Steak. Elite Steak. Elite Steak. L- how would you like your steak, sir? <laughs> three, three, seven. Elite. That's how I want my steak. Um, <laughs> supercars uh, are also going this weekend for the OTR Super Sprint. Mm. What is what is this? N24. Oh, the Nürburgring... Uh, 24 hours? 24 hours is qualifying this weekend. Cool. And we got NASCAR. Oh my God. Where oh we're going? Yeah. Darlington. Darling. Darling. Oh my Darlington. <laughs> oh my Darlington. <laughs> uh, for the Goodyear 400. Classic. Classic. Did you guys watch any Goodyear. of the NASCAR indie on the weekend? I so did not. This I weekend saw... I missed, even though, like, so even though we do this every week, when it comes time to choosing what I'm going to watch, I go to my yeah. um, cable and I'm like, cool, like tell me what sports are going. And I feel like that is not populating what's actually happening in the autosport categories. Oh, and no. I feel Never. like it's getting iffy with basketball now, too. Because uh, it will like pull a lot of stuff off like premium packages, but then it will bury results that are on stuff that I will be able to watch. So like... As far as I didn't realize until people were tweeting about the indie races that they were happening, uh, which sucks because uh, award cleaned up and I do like Patricia. 
Yeah, it was a good race. And we had a we had a almost what was the track where we had that crazy crash during the safety car restart last year? Where they all just crashed into each other? Oh, yeah, what was that? Where what was, was that again? Was it? it was one of the new ones. Um we had that happen at the start of this race, which was which was wild to see. You could see it coming a mile away because the lights went green and none of the front runners bolted. And so we had a bit of a bit of the back end of the concertina got crunched and some upside down right. cars. But thankfully, oh, uh, it was okay. Mugello. Yes, it was Mugello. It was Mugello. You're right. Yeah. Yep. God, that was wild. The minute you were like, okay, yeah, it was the guys at the back who were like, we have to be going by now. And <laughs> right. the minute that doesn't happen. Yeah. Antonio Giovinazzi flying through the air. Yeah, I think actually, if I read the um, headlines right, it was Pietro Fittipaldi who caused that IndyCar pilot. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Who was subbing in for Roman Grosjean because he is not racing on ovals. Oh, is that why he wasn't there? I was wondering what was yeah. going on. I think he's uh, Pietro Fittipaldi, also the uh, the um, reserve driver for Haas. Right. Yeah. Huh. I think partly it was like Grosjean's family. It was like, you are not racing right. on ovals. Yeah. Um. Well, there you go. That's what, see what just happened to the guy who was in your race seat? Yeah. yeah and no yeah, sooner, yeah. by the way, had he been like, I'm not racing ovals. I talked to my family. Then at the start of this year, he was like, I might race ovals. I don't know. I can race ovals. <laughs> and so, it's almost like, like these are, these people are just kind of fearless. Or compulsive or both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but the Spanish Grand Prix, everyone, kicks off free practice one Friday, May 7th at 5.30 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, followed by free practice two at 9 a.m. on ESPNU. Mm. Saturday, May 8th is free practice three at 6 a.m. on ESPN2, followed by qualifying 9 a.m. also on ESPN2. But the race, everyone, Sunday, May 9th. At 9 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. And that's all I got. That's a podcast. Uh, that was a lot. That's a podcast. Hey, Phil. Uh, I'm exhausted. Did I go lie down? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've been yeah, watching so. you fall off the pace uh, over the course of this <laughs> My show. My tires have gone off the cliff. Yeah. There, there was a moment there where I was fully expecting you to just like slide out of your chair onto the floor. And we were just going to have to be like, okay, we need to. Do you have Drew's address? He might need like somebody to come check on him. Yeah. When you were talking about all that, uh, the, all that drivers getting used to stuff, I was like, he's been talking for a while here. Is he getting enough oxygen? But here we are. You're still, you're still kicking it. Uh, final thoughts ahead of Spain, Danny. Ah, it's always a fun race. Looking forward to it. Um, hopefully we get a bit of rain. That'll be fun. But um, I'm very interested in turn 10. I think uh, hopefully it'll add something new. And if it doesn't, it's a solid race. And final thoughts, Rob? Yeah, fingers crossed that uh, change to the last sector really does lead to some interesting driving through that uh, really tactical section. So uh, looking forward to it. Cool. Well, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.